Living your life on purpose is one thing. Standing up to the pressure when it comes is another. But running headlong into that storm for the betterment of others is a whole different story. And we're going to talk about that next with Dr. Christina Collins. She is the elected representative to the Ohio State School Board of Education. Can't wait. Coming up next. And the heat is on. Let's get cooking. This is Purpose Under Pressure. It's brought to you by the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training, serving sales professionals nationwide from their Akron and Columbus, Ohio locations. They are one of the highest performing Sandler Sales Trainings affiliates in the nation. And if you work with, are on, or uh, responsible for a team of sellers, they're going to make a difference for you and your team. I highly encourage you to check them out. Give Mike Jones a call and his team at the rubygroup.sandler.com. Com. That's the website you'll find them on. Thank you to the Ruby Group for bringing us and bringing you Purpose Under Pressure. My guest today, I'm excited about today in a really big way. It's Dr. Christina Collins. Christina is your elected representative to the Ohio State Board of Education. And you guys know that if you follow me at all, I've been involved in, in uh, local schools, and that's hard enough. I can't wait to hear what it's like uh, at the state level. She's also a pre-apprenticeship program coordinator with Medina County Economic Development Corporation. She is an instructor at Kent State University. She has been a curriculum director with Medina City and Buckeye Local Schools in Medina County. She is also a community volunteer. And another thing very close to my heart, she is a foster parent. So as you can tell, I'm excited to introduce you and welcome to the show, Dr. Christina Collins. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you because I, we, you and I have met one, a few times and I just feel like we kind of think, care about the same things. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to dig into that a little bit and find out what it's like to be on the state school board. I can't wait to hear about that. So tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, Christina. Tell me about kind of what you're proudest of, what you're doing now. Just give us an idea of who Christina Collins is, and then we're going to talk about pressure. Awesome. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a mom. Um, I have to say that. Um, we, My husband and I have five kids. Um, he has a daughter. I have a daughter. We have two sons. And then we adopted um, a 17-year-old in January of this year. And we're also having a baby this year. So yes, I am very much a mom. Um, <laughs> we're also a foster family. So we have two foster children with us right now. And I would say that uh, my family, uh, my relationship with my husband, those are, those are the things that I am most proud of. Um, very involved, as you mentioned, I have a lot of different hats that I wear. Um, but really everything boils down to, uh, taking care of kids, taking care of community, taking care of each other. Um, so for me, those are, kind of, those are the kind of most important things. It's really the spirit of who I am, I think. And I often wonder people like you that are just ultra involved and, and giving at the highest level. I mean, being elected to the school board of the state is not an easy position. We're going to talk about that. What drives you? Is it the mom? Is it the community involvement? Do you see everything as a chance to be mom? Like, why are your hands in everything? And why do you work so hard at these things? What is your purpose when it comes you to You know, that? it's really interesting. When I was a curriculum director, I used to say, you know, being professionally as an educator, I think I changed when I had my first child because suddenly, other people's children, I could see the way that they saw their children and how I saw my child. And I used to say as a curriculum director, I want teachers to love my child the way I love my child. I want us to love all of our children the way a parent loves their children. So 
That really is a driving force for me on, on the state board. I'm constantly talking about what does this mean for children? So I, I guess that is part of it is, is, is being the mom and, and, and wanting to um, take care of the future. And that is taking care of our kids. So. And do you find that having that as your purpose, do you find that being involved in education and community allows you to just do that and live that? Or are there things that need to be changed? You know, mom's trying to fix things for people, right? Are, are there things that you feel like you can improve? Which, which is more important to you, being able to make a difference or just being able to live out your purpose in this environment? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I'm sort of at a point in my career, in my life, where I only do things that I believe in and that I believe that I can contribute to well. So, I, you know, I think that that's, I think that's really what it comes down to is uh, giving back to the community in ways that I can be helpful, where my skills and talents and passions all come together. That to me is what what I can do for others. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> intrinsic motivation is to do those things. I just, I just don't stop. If I, if I feel like I can help, I, I just do it. So it doesn't, I mean, it's the same with foster care. Why do we go into foster care? Because we had extra space and extra patients. So we just did it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're able to open up your home, open up your life to, to be able to make a difference for people that need that. And I'm wondering, where is it toughest? We're going to talk about pressure. Uh, where is it toughest? Is it harder on the Ohio State School Board, which sounds daunting to me? Or is it harder as a foster mom? Or is it harder at the school level, the local school level? Where is it hardest for you to actually uh, kind of live out your purpose and make a difference? I think politics is the hardest. I, I will be honest. I think it's the place where it becomes overwhelming um, to, to live in it. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, it's frustrating to see what happens at the state house. It's frustrating to feel like, you know, what you're doing doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's frustrating to feel like your voice isn't heard. And there are times when I just think, man, I just want to go and buy a lake house and escape and never care about any marginalized population. You know, I just want to go and forget about politics and advocacy. And, and I think that that is truly the hardest and, and having to be intentional about stepping away from it. Okay. Stop following the social media feeds. Stop following what's going on at the state house is just focus on something else for a little bit, which is where my kids are a great distraction. I mean, they're, they're wonderful and they, they deserve a hundred percent of me. So if I'm giving a hundred percent to politics all the time, then, then I don't have anything left. So I have to, I have to balance that for them. Yeah. And that's kind of what purpose under pressure is all about. It's about, I feel this, I want to accomplish this. I want to do this, but there's this thing that's stopping me. And so it, I, I want to talk about your, your your local experience as well in schools, but I'm still interested from the school board point of view. You go down to Columbus, I assume, and you're full bore and ready to grow. And all of a sudden, bang, you get slapped in the face with some other kind of different agenda or, or someone else's point of view. And, and how do you handle that? How do you stand on your purpose and fight back? You talked about just sometimes just letting mm -hmm. go and going back to your family and that purpose. How do you fight? for what you believe in when it kind of seems like it's overwhelming odds against you in this situation? It's really hard. I think one of my personal skills, I think, is really 
trying to empathize with where other people's life experiences have taken them. So it's like when, when something is proposed, you know, for example, the state board was dealing with this title nine resolution that was to me, very discriminatory. It called out the LGBTQ population of students. And I, what I understood was that the person who wrote the resolution was coming from totally different life experiences than I am and has a totally different view. And so, which is usually the case. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like trying to understand that, but, but when we're talking about values, that's really the most frustrating thing to me because you can't fight a person's values. That's their value system. We have to, we have to use logic and data and all of those kinds of things. But even sometimes, you know, now people don't believe in logic and data and that's a value system that I have. So when we can get through what's a values-based argument and talk about, okay, what is it, what is it at the, at the core that you really want to achieve and how can we find that place of the spirit of compromise where we're both, both walking away from the table, a little bit happy and a little bit unhappy. That is my goal. So my, my, my fight and where I really try to come from in all political issues, but you know, even, even, you know, at home is, where are you coming from? How can I try to understand where you're coming from? And how can we find a place where we can, like, I, I say peel the onion, but I don't know what the ultimate goal is of peeling the onion, but how can we peel these layers back so we can both get to where we want to go without necessarily having to be stuck in things that we don't, we can't agree on? There were times when I was on the school board when agenda was an issue with other members, and maybe they thought the same for me. I, I'm not pointing fingers, but it felt like I wasn't fighting against what's right or what's wrong for kids. It felt like I was fighting against agendas. Like, why are we even talking about this? Do you find it harder to fight for your values when you're not fighting against values? You're fighting against agendas where the argument just doesn't make sense. What, what's that like at that level? Because losing based on values is critical. That hurts. Yeah. And yet someone who's not operating on values doesn't mind losing so much. It's just something, right? Am I wrong yeah. about that? And, and how do you go against that? Yeah, I, you know, I, the agenda piece is definitely there. And that's, that's maybe what I'm kind of calling politics is it seems like everyone that is involved in an elected position right now is somehow driven by some sort of an agenda. And it is a divisive agenda at the moment. It is how can I be the most extreme to be the most divisive? And there have been times where I've had to say, we are, our life experiences have brought us way too far apart to have a productive conversation. And I just have to chalk it off. And I just have to, you know, in those situations, especially on the board, it's sort of like, Hey, democracy is supposed to rule. So that's why we have a 19 member board. That's going to vote on this. Uh, it's, it's it's supposed to be a democratic decision. And I feel like the way I sort of rationalize it is whether, whether I, I say I get what I want, but that's not what I mean. Whether and I don't want to say winning either because there's not winning and losing. It's just moving the needle in one direction or the other. And I feel like when I have to walk away from the table, feeling like what we did was not the right thing that I have to think to myself, this isn't going to last forever. That's, that's not the spirit of America. That's not Mm. the spirit of progress. America is a story of progress. And I don't mean progressive, but I mean progress. So we change and we grow and our identity changes and grows and whatever we're doing in that moment where Maybe someone's agenda is driving conversation, is driving what we're doing. It doesn't matter for the long term. It, it's only a right now situation. So I have to really focus on that. Yeah. 
Well, God bless you. That's a, a live to fight another day yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And and sometimes that's good enough as long as you're never giving up on something that you really yeah. value. Yeah. And I mean, I, I even say, you know, you, I'm sure you understand when I say I try to do what's best for kids, what I think is best for kids is very different than other people's best for kids. So it's, it's just yeah. a hard conversation that we have to keep we have to keep plugging away at it because again, as times change and kids change and people change, culture changes. And so we just have to keep having it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I love that mentality. It reminds me when I was on the the local, the Ashland city school boards, I tried my hardest to uh, pay homage to the board members that came before me, the board members that were there now and the ones that would come later. Like they all mattered. And, and the fact that they were doing it, was was honorable in itself. And sometimes you found some different things that you argued about or whatever, but we're all in it together trying to do what we think right. is best. And uh, and it's good that, that you're doing things. So let's talk about pressure some more. You're under a lot. What's the most in, in your career as a in local schools or at the university or with, with economic development, working with kids, foster parents? Tell me about the most pressure point against your purpose. And, and let's talk about that a little well, bit. Well, so... I I hate to say I always knew I was going to be in education since I was a kid, but I always knew I was going to be in education. You know, I, I knew way back when that this was where I was going to, I think like in sixth grade, I shadowed a teacher and I knew, I mean, I just knew that I was going to go into education. And so I think the most difficult professional experience, the most life defining professional experience was a very public experience that, you know, you can Google it. Um, when uh, a local board voted against my contract, um, the superintendent had recommended me for a three-year contract renewal after being in the district for five years. Uh, excellent evaluations across two superintendents, but unfortunately, um, a personal conflict between you know, yep, there it yeah, is again. So myself and some uh, two of the board members. The third one... Yep. I've yeah, the third person who voted against my contract, I actually had never met. I had asked repeatedly to meet this person. Um, it was very clear that he was on the board with that mission of voting against the contract. They teamed yeah. up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, um, going into the, the public vote, um, I was told that if I did not resign, if I forced them to vote publicly and I did not resign, that I would never work in education again. And that was the, the scariest thing I've ever experienced. I mean, after, um, I, I loved the district. I love the district. I love the people. I mean, people showed up to publicly testify for me who I had never met just because they were proud of what we were doing. Um, but for like the month or two months after that public vote, it was, um, it was the worst pressure I've ever, I mean, I, it was hard enough to just get out of bed. I thought this has de derailed my entire life. I don't know what I'm going to do now. And, um, that was, <laughs> there was an incident. I found out that the state board position for these counties was open, um, that the person, the incumbent was having to rerun. That happened in July. It was like July 13th. And without knowing anything else about the state board or the makeup or the fact that this district covered eight counties and that it was 1.1 uh, million people, <laughs> I had no idea. But I just went on Facebook and I was like, yeah, sure. It seems like that's where I need to go Good. now. I'm going to run for the state board. I'm glad you had no idea. Otherwise, Ooh, you might have run yeah. fleetingly yeah. away, right? And it was just um, that pressure of never knowing what I would, of not knowing what I was going to do next. And then winning my election 
there were some social media posts that said, hey, she couldn't get three votes from our local board, but she got 226,000 votes across these eight counties. That was, that was, um, it was a defining moment because I could believe in myself again. I could remember what my purpose was. I could still continue to give back in the way that I had always planned to give back. And the the mission, everything was back on track at that point. And it was like, I, I didn't think I was going to do this in my 30s. I didn't think I was going to run for state board. I was always interested in policy. But you know, I tell my kids, it's like when you're comfortable in life, it hits you like a Mack truck. And it's those moments that you really, you are really challenged to figure out, you know, what is my next thing? What's my next contribution? So that's where I've ended up at this point. See, on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. You know, I don't like to fall back on the phrase, all things, you know, things happen for a purpose, mm -hmm. but you can't ignore it. Like you, 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 these things that happen that drive you into different opportunities and open different doors, they do happen. And, and, it, and it just can't always be a coincidence to lead to these things. I'm interested, Dr. Collins, uh, what you were able to do. So this pressure knocked you oh. down. This, not all pressure knocks everyone down, or at least they're not vulnerable enough to share that with me. Uh, most times everybody says, oh, it was tough, but I made it. <laughs> you got knocked oh, yeah. down. You're laying in bed. You don't yeah. want to get up. How'd you get back up? What Can you take us back to those moments and those days where, where you're just kind of crippled and lying there, but you know, and now you're here. What what did you have to do to get out of bed and get your feet on the floor and get moving? Well, it's, it's actually... Um, I, I, I speak occasionally at, at Cloverleaf local schools. They have this girls rocks group. And so I always try to tell them about that experience because, you know, when you're, when you're a teenager, uh, when you're in your young twenties and you feel like the world is ending and you can't get through to that next day. I mean, I sort of felt like that. I was like, the world is ending. Uh, my salary is gone. I don't know how we're going to take care of the four kids that we had at that time, but it was, I hate to say this, but it was my kids. It, my kids were there for the defeat. They saw the defeat. They saw the panic and they needed to see me get back up. And they needed to know that this, this is what you do when life knocks you down. You, you, you take your time to, to, you know, feel the feels, but at some point you have to get back up again. And that's exactly what I did. So I gave myself way more time than I think I would have liked to, but I, I had to. So it took me a good month. Um, and then I was like, okay. And then I had to start getting up and I had to start working out and I had to just get back into the routine. Um, just trying to I, I fake it till I make it is what I used to tell the kids. Like I had to, we have to fake it mm -hmm. until we make it. We have to fake it through our days and then eventually it's behind us and you don't, you don't feel that way anymore. So I, I hate to say that teaching my kids and modeling that behavior is what I did, but it was, it was, they were the driving force for me. 
I've read a lot of the times people that fake it till you make it, it seems to be under attack. That whole phrase, like people, I, I've been reading lately and I always thought it was like made a ton of sense. I think I've lived my entire life under that guise. I'm waiting for people to realize that I'm just a fraud and an imposter. But I, I think that matters, doesn't it? And even now, like this is your first time at this level. You just kind of found your way in, right? I mean, and I'm not making it easier than it is, but you've never done this no, before. No, I mean... What, what, what's the hardest struggle there? Are you faking it and making it? Are you, what are you bringing to the table that like, what are you learning about yourself? I'm interested in this progression in your life. So there's, there's a lot of research on women in leadership positions and, and imposter syndrome, right? Imposter syndrome, uh, is research-based has a bigger impact on women than it does on men. I mean, something as simple as men will apply for a job if they need only 40% of the criteria, whereas women will apply for the job only if they need a hundred percent. Um, these are, these are mm. research data facts and, for me, as a woman in a leadership position, in positions I've never been in, as someone who generally gets nervous, has anxiety, I mean, someone who gets gets really nervous talking in front of groups, my voice shakes every time I talk into the microphone at the State Board of Education meeting. You know, these are, these are just, I turn red. I mean, I've turned red my whole life. That's just what I do. So for somebody who does deal with imposter syndrome, somebody who and and i'm i'm sure most people who listen to this are familiar with it but people who think i don't know why i'm here <laughs> i don't know how i got to this position i have no idea why 226,000 people voted for me i mean that is a daily struggle for me it's who am i to be somebody that people listen to who am i to have a phd the fake it till you make it thing for me is is a daily mantra. It's, it's okay. So you don't know who you are to be the person people come to for advice or that come to you to talk about education or whatever. Oh, that's fine. You can feel that way, but you're going to fake your way through it. <laughs> then you're going to fake like you're the expert. Everybody thinks that you are. I don't think I've ever made it to the make it point <laughs> in most cases, but you know, that's, it's, that's what I go for is every time I feel like I'm not good enough or anytime I feel like I, I don't know, I don't know why I'm in this position. I just remind myself, okay, well then fake it, fake it. Like you gave those 226,000 people a reason to vote for you. Yeah. Yeah. And lest anybody listening to this takes a political side and says, see, she doesn't know what she's doing. And in case anyone, I believe that everyone is faking mm -hmm. it till they make it. There's only one Elvis Presley. Yeah. There's only one Jesus Christ. We're all just trying to do yeah. our best and, and, and we're all just trying to figure it out as we go along. And God bless you for doing it on such a public, large, very important stage. I'm interested in just a couple of quick things before we wrap up, maybe most importantly, looking ahead at the pressure that you're about to, that you still see your foster parent and you're a parent of kids. And that's, heck, we're like ignoring that, right? The, the most important thing, and we're not even in talking about the difference you're making on a, at home. Looking back on your life, let's say 10, 15, 20 years from now, what does success look like for Dr. Christina Collins? You know, previously, success would have been the amount of money I made. I had a goal in my <laughs> life that six, that I was going to be successful when I hit six figures. I was going to be successful when I did this, when I had this amount of money in the bank. Again, with that, with everything that happened at that district, that flipped all of that on its head. And success now for me is no longer about money. Success is about am I contributing in a way that my skills, talents, and passions are all coming together? Am I happy and satisfied with what I'm able to offer to the world? That is, that is my measure of success.
Yeah. Have you done what you're trying to do in that yeah. moment? Right. Yeah. Very good. Good for you. What's the, uh, what's the storm that's rising at the, uh, educational level or even at the foster level or, uh, home? What, what's the storm that's on the horizon that you're really going to need to stand up straight against and, and, uh, uh, you know, show your purpose off as you f- fight through I'd it. I love to say having all teenage girls at home <laughs> is a storm in and of itself. No, we don't have all teenage girls, but we've got we've got three teenage girls, and that's yes, that's its own storm. But now the, the, the biggest storm really is the state takeover of the state board of education, and I feel like it's kind of being you know it's being overshadowed um, by so many other things that are happening at the state. But to me the protection of that local control, the protection of the ability for a community and its local district to have the important conversations of partnerships so that the kids in the community are learning what that community wants. Those to me are the most important things about education. And with this possible takeover of the state board and the governor taking over education, I mean, that's, that is the end of local control and people don't see it yet, but it is, it's the end of local control. And, and that's, that's that's huge. So I, I feel like we're really fighting that fight. Um, the elected members of the state board are really fighting that fight, and we'll we'll know by the end of June uh, what's going to happen and whether or not there will, there will be a lawsuit moving forward. So, okay. Well, I'm glad you're fighting the battle. I'm glad you're up against it. I'm glad you're you're one of the uh, you're the one that stood up and took those twenty thousand <laughs> votes and and uh, are taking care of our kids from your point of view. So I appreciate that. And and I remember when I was on the school board. We got emails and phone calls and we were public officials. And if someone wanted to reach out to you to discuss any of these things, um, how might they do so? Uh, yeah, I'm very public with my personal phone number. It's 614-738-2064. Feel free to call that. Uh, my state board email is christina.collins at education.ohio.gov. Dr. Christina Collins. Dr. Collins, I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. I want to thank you for standing up for everyone else uh, that, you know, not everybody can be at the board level. One person can in in this position. And thank you for standing up for all of us and for our kids. Um, I think doing the next right thing is something that we all need to learn and that we all need to do. And even though people come from different sides of the aisle and different points of view and perspectives, I think we can all work together and do great things. And I think that you're the kind of person that's going to do that. And I appreciate those efforts. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Christina Collins. She's your elected representative for the Ohio State School Board of Education. And that is not nothing. So thank you to her for serving. And thank you for being our guest on Purpose Under Pressure. This show is brought to you by the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training. Sellers are under pressure to perform and Sandler helps you succeed on purpose. You will find all past episodes of Purpose Under Pressure at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast and wherever you stream your podcasts. We do this every week and we will see you next time on purpose.